0: You are now listening to sermon audio from International Christian Church. To learn more and get connected, you can visit our website at iccva.org. I'd like to speak about being like Christ Jesus. And if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read 5 verses, 5 to 11. We're going to read from the New King James Version. Let us all rise as we read scriptures in reverence to God's word. Let this mind be in in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, And of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Let us say together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending your son our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for experiencing that love. From you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for we can be together today to listen to your word. Lord, we are an international group of believers coming together this morning. From all over the place. All over the world to worship. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we're going to open your word. We pray for the one who teaches that you will forgive him his sins. His sins are many. Lord, that each one of us would come to Jesus. And look unto Jesus in him only. Who asks this in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Every now and then I when the media are talking about the public perception of a politician, they will they will say that he or she has become a rock star among voters, meaning that whatever he takes whenever he takes a stage. There's a lot of cheering and excitement and adulation coming from the crowd. If I were a candidate, I would especially hope not because rock star does not come close to describing the role of a politician, nor should it be the image that they would want to project. Do you know what is the most accurate uh, job description for a politician? Public servant. We don't hear that often as we used to, the media has much preferred rock star but that is what a politician really is a public servant I've also heard media referring to mega pastors describing pastors of big churches the ones who have achieved celebrity status again that's not flattering when a pastor is called rock star of the evangelical movement rock star, something like it's celebrity status. The problem is that people, the masses, we're drawn to celebrity. We love famous people. We love famous people and we love for famous people act like famous people. When Rock Hudson, you don't know Rock Hudson, right? It's called Rock. Now, Rock Hudson was with Elizabeth Taylor at, now I'm talking about the 50s. He was, he's a movie star, actually, in the 50s and 60s. Rock Hudson. Google it. Good actor. One of my favorites. My mom loved Rock Hudson. If my mom loves Rock Hudson, you should love him too. Anyways, um, he was a, he arrived in Hollywood, rooted face, boyish, and he was just getting his break into the movie business. His agent took him to lunch at a famous restaurant in Hollywood, expensive, high profile, so that people can see him, an opportunity for him to be seen by the Gawkers, as well as the power brokers. When Hudson finished his meal, he politely placed his silverware on his plate, meticulously folded his napkin, and put it on the plate. So that this, the, uh, the waiter could easily take it away. The manager rebuked him. He said, it's not your job to clean up after yourself. You are not a busboy. You are a movie star. You need to act like one. And Rock Hudson continued doing what he's doing. And when the waiter came, gave the plate to the waiter. A servant. In a way, actually, we expect that from celebrities. To have the attitude that says, I'm rich, I'm famous, I'm one of the elite, I'm a star. It's everyone's job to wait after me, to serve me, to wait on me hand and foot. We live in a culture that worships celebrity. And all of the ill-advised things to worship, this should be at the top of the list. Whether it's in politics or sports, business, and even in ministry. Our fascination with fame distorts our perception of what greatness really is. It distorts our perception of what kind of person we should admire and aspire to be. Today's message highlights The aspect of Christ's character That anyone can imitate There are many things about Christ That you cannot copy You are not pre-existent You can't copy that You are not omniscient That cannot be copied You did not create the universe You can't copy that You cannot die for the sins of the world And you may be good at a lot of things, but you cannot walk on water. So on and so forth. You can't do miracles. But there is one aspect of Jesus's character that we can fully and completely imitate. In this, you can be just like Him. If anyone deserved to be treated as a rock star, it's Jesus. If anyone deserved to be treated like a celebrity, waited on hand and foot, it was Jesus. But that's not what happened. John says, John 1, 10 and 11, referring to Jesus Christ, it says this, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. He could have demanded great treatment. He could have lived like royalty during his time on earth. But he did not because he came instead to show us what true greatness looks like. What true greatness is and what true greatness does. When we look to Jesus, we not only lose our fascination with celebrity, we also get an idea of what our own lives should look like. And actually in the final hours of Jesus' life, he said to his disciples, they were sitting together, Eating together. But he asked his disciples this. Luke 22 verse 27. He said. Who is greater? The one who is at table? Or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. He also said, Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The ministry of Jesus on earth was a ministry of humble service, humility. And during His time, His disciples witnessed some amazing things like miracles after miracles. People got healed. People got rid of every type of affliction. People or demon possessed were healed. There's a lot of things that he did. He raised people from the dead at least three times. They saw the forces of nature obey his command. And demons tremble at his name. They heard him teach with authority. They saw the power of God at work through him. There was nothing about Jesus that was weak or timid. And yet, in the midst of all this power, there was this underlying attitude of humble service toward others. What drove him? What defined him was humble service, humility. Now, I want us to look very quickly at three events in the life of Jesus that reflects the attitude of humble service. The first thing, the first thing, something that we The first is something we all are all familiar with, the Christmas story. Let's look at the circumstances of his birth. Verse six and seven Philippians chapter two says this, who being in the nature of God, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The story of Christmas shows us from the very beginning that Jesus' life was all about humility. He could have announced his birth to King Herod or to the religious leaders in Jerusalem or to Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome. He could have announced his birth to the greatest of the great. He could have persuaded them that it was in their best interest to receive him as king. But that's not what Jesus did. So to whom did he announce his birth? To a young teenage girl who was about to get married. And then to his bewildered fiancé who said, what? And then to some priest of another religion. Actually, there were astronomers who traveled for months to find him. And then to a group of nomadic shepherds, minimum wage workers on the bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder. And where was this king, Jesus, born? Not in a palace, but in a stable. Not surrounded by servants, but by barnyard animals. The circumstances of his birth... Tells us that there was nothing pretentious about Jesus. No sense of entitlement, no expectation of special treatment. If anyone has the right to say, This day is all about me, it's Jesus. And I'm going to do it in style, Jesus. But he did not do that. His birth tells us that Jesus is not easily impressed by the powers that be and prestige. He didn't seek the approval of the elite. He did not do anything that says, I am Jesus, the king of the world. I am God. No, he didn't say that. He announced it quietly to people who are important to, uh, to him, those who are disenfranchised, those who are downtrodden, those who are at the bottom of the ladder. There was this story about an uh, uh, airport, and there's, it's a holiday. And there's a lot of people just lining up to the teller just to check in. And uh, there's this guy who's all dressed up. He looks like money, smells like money. He dressed up like money, and he was just with all this bling bling. And he was at the back of the line, and then he went to the front and said, I need to check in. I, I am in mean, a hurry. Uh, check me in. And the, uh, the teller said, sir? Sir? Let's go back to the, uh, to the line. We're serving everyone. I promise you everyone will be in. Everyone can be there. And then this guy said, do you, have no, do you have any idea who you are talking to? Do you know who I am? At that, the customer service agent picked up the loudspeaker microphone and said, Attention everyone, I need some help. There's this guy here in front who does not know who he is. If you know him, can you kindly identify it to him so that he know he will know who he is? We learn a lesson from the birth of Jesus. And it is this God has called each one of us in our own situation. To live a common life with those around us. No sense of entitlement. No expectations of special treatment. No chasing after prestige. You cannot say, do you know who I am? Second, let us look at his low-key approach to public Recognition In Matthew chapter 8 A leper came to Jesus And said Lord if you are willing You can make me clean The Bible says That Jesus reached out His hand And touched the man A leprous man And by the way um, It tells us volumes about Jesus Christ Lepers were Untouchables In the first Jewish, Century Jewish culture And yet He reached out His hand to the man And he touched him And said I am willing Be clean. And then Jesus Jesus said something that leaves many confused. Matthew 8 verse 4. The Lord said, see that you don't tell anyone. Someone who has all this. Deceived body. A beggar. And people have seen him like a beggar. Leprous. And he begged Jesus to be healed. And the Lord says, I am willing. I make you clean. And immediately he got cleaned. And the Lord said, don't tell anyone. Following chapter, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus restored the sight of two blind men. And you know how he did it, right? You know the Lord when he heals people. He does a lot of good uh, things that are. makes you smile. And then he touched him. Touched them. And they got healed. Their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly. Matthew 9 verse 30. See that no one knows about this. In Mark chapter 7. He healed a man who could neither hear nor speak. The man came to Jesus in a crowd, but Jesus took him aside, away from the others. He held him like this. And if you read in Mark chapter 7, it says, The Lord spat. The Lord has, He always used spit when He heals. And the Bible says that the, that, that the Lord healed this man. But the Bible also says, Mark chapter 7 verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. Now if I'm able to heal people like that, I'll call everyone. I'll tell people how great I am. Now you just, you know, if I have the voice that can sing like Placido Domingo. I invite everyone to hear me sing. I'll tell people how great I am. And the Lord says this. Tell no one. Do not tell anyone. We see this again and again in the gospel. Jesus performing a miracle and saying don't tell anyone about it. Why would he tell them not to tell anyone? Some people said that uh, maybe he did not want to draw a huge crowd. That would restrict his movements. And some people say, oh, maybe his entire ministry is not about healing people, so I don't find either, you know, they should be doing that too. But the Bible does not explain why Jesus said, don't tell anyone, but here's my take on this Jesus had no interest in using people to promote his ministry. Can you imagine today if there's a celebrity preacher or a celebrity politician doing something good for someone and not using it to further his own agenda? Nah, that's not going to happen in the Philippines. You know when a politician using public money would build a bridge or, or a concrete uh, street or something like that. You put the name there. Project of Congressman Sandy Vitalis with money coming from people. We put that, we, we, we build, do. And I Lord said, don't tell anyone. You know, I am very good. You know, I was just minding my own way. And I want to tell you this, I was just minding my way. And then there's this beggar on the street. I want you to know this. I was so heartbroken, so I put up my wallet, and I gave him the only money that I had, two bucks. And I just embraced him, and hugged him, and cried with him. I just want you to know that. I just sat down with a beggar, so poor, so lowly, and I sat with him. Oh, I'm so humble doing that. And I want you to know this humility that I have. Oh, so humble. You know, if you think you're humble, you're not. If you tell people you're humble, you're not. If you broadcast publicly what you have done in secret with somebody or someone, you're not. When Jesus healed a hurting person, he made it clear to them, I am not using you to promote myself or my ministry. I'm not doing this for positive PR, nor for the crowds that it will draw, nor the fame that will come my way. I don't need to be walking to be, and I don't need you to be a walking advertisement. I'm doing this because I care about you. I love you with an everlasting love. The lesson we take from Jesus' attitude towards self-promotion is this. You can do good for others, not because of any benefit that might back your way, but simply because that other person is worth it, whether you get recognition or not. And with regards to the ministry that you do, As a believer in Christ, the things that we're doing, we're doing that because we want Christ to be honored. And we don't take the credit for ourselves. We give all the glory to God. Whatever we're doing, whatever leadership position you have, whatever kind of teaching you do, whatever kind of singing that you do, whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Do not take credit that does not belong to you. All credit belongs to God. Thirdly. Let us look at his personal needs. His personal needs took second place to his purpose in life. In Luke chapter 9 verse 56. This was when a man comes along and tells Jesus. Lord I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And the Lord said, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus said this, first of all, so that the man would know that following him comes with a price. The life of a follower is not always an easy life to be a disciple is not an easy life to follow Christ is not an easy life we will have inconveniences and discomfort in life there will be persecutions there will be sufferings there will be challenges Jesus said this about himself Foxes of holes they can turn in for the winter. The birds of the air have a place to crash down, their nest. But the Son of Man, even a stone to lay his head, he slept in open fields. In the cold of the night, he walked from one place to another. Back and forth in Palestine, going from one village to another, preaching the good news, teaching, doing miracles and healing people. Freeing those who are oppressed, the slaves and all that. Jesus is telling us this, that as far as he is concerned, his life is more about the ministry he's called to do than it is about creating a certain level of comfort for himself. There's a great story in John chapter 4. In which Jesus and his disciples were traveling through Samaria. Actually, he needs to go through Samaria. And so instead of doing the king's highway outside of Samaria, they go into Jerusalem. They went through Samaria. And he was tired. And he was hungry. They were all hungry. So he sent the disciples into the town to buy some food. But while Jesus was at the well... A Samaritan woman came and he had a conversation with a Samaritan woman that resulted in her salvation. Disciples came back afterwards with the food. And they asked Jesus to eat something. And Jesus said this, John four thirty two, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Of course, they didn't know what he was talking about. They asked Jesus... To explain it, so explain it to them. He said, "My food, John four thirty four, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work." It was like saying to the disciples, "I just had this amazing conversation with this woman. This woman who had a lot of husbands, and this woman who just came and he asked about this the 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 fountains of that the rivers of life, and that just this." This woman just came and he got bored again. So are you going to eat? No, 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 no. You're saying this is the work of the Father is food. Who can think of food at a time like this? Someone Comes to Christ. There's rejoicing in the heavens. This is God's work. And we have just done God's work. Somebody got saved. This is the food. Outreach. Potluck. Potluck. House to house. Party. Church Party. You know what we can do? You go there, you're hungry. Then go there and eat. But what I'm saying, what was John saying? This is the purpose. To do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What is God's will for us? Go and make disciples. That is our food. We see in the Gospels that the priority of Jesus, top priority, was not looking after his own needs and seeing to his own comfort. The priority was above and beyond else to do what the Father commanded him to do. We see this again and again at the end of Jesus' life. He watched the disciples' speak, John chapter 13. He fed them. They had his communion together, the last supper together. And the Bible says that he did this to show them the full extent of his love. Here's a lesson from the attitude of Jesus. All of us have a purpose in life. And it involves much more than just seeking a comfortable life for ourselves. It's about doing the will of the Father. If anyone had the right to say, it's all about me, Jesus had the right. If anyone had the right to demand his way and say, do you have any idea who I am? Jesus had that right. If anyone can say, do you know who I am? Jesus had that right. If anyone had the right to insist on preferential treatment, Jesus had the right. If there's anyone who would say, I am right all the time, I am right in this, Jesus had the right. He had the right, but he never used it. Instead of seeking a life of comfort and fame, he chose a life of sacrificial service to others. We see this in his attitude. What's good enough for everyone else is good enough for me. I'm here to minister to others, not use them to further my fame. Living out my purpose is more important than living in comfort. There are many things about Jesus that are beyond our ability to imitate. But taking on this attitude of humility, of humble servanthood, humble service, is something we all can do. That is why in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul wrote this. We already read this, but this is in another translation. Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 8. In your relationship with one another. That is not the text. In your relationship with one another. Had the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God. Something to be used to his own advantage. Rather. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus came to show us what true greatness is. And he came to be a humble servant. Because as it turns out, greatness, humility, they're all the same thing. So if you want to be great, the Lord Jesus Christ said, be a servant of all. And you will never be more like Jesus than when you are serving others. In this way, you can be just like Jesus, serve. Be like Jesus to God's will. Be like Jesus, treat others. Have this mindset. In our relationship with one another, have that mindset in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the ICC podcast. We're looking forward to more ways we can offer resources to help equip you to apply God's word onto your life. We want you to always know that God is present, God is for us, and that we are here for you. So if you have a need or a prayer request, please reach out to us at prayers at ICCVA.org. And again, for more info and to get connected, you can visit ICCVA.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram.